in uh, Logan today, so I figured we're going to start off with a game, right? So I'm going to name three people, and I want you to go ahead and just shout out who you think has the, I, the highest IQ out of these guys. Sigmund Freud, Will Smith, and Barack Obama. Will Smith, that's right, one point for you. All right, next one is uh, Ashton Kutcher, Kobe Bryant, and Mark Zuckerberg. No? Ashton Kutcher, that's right, good job. 154 he's got. How about this one? Albert Einstein, Elon Musk, and Conan O'Brien. No, it was a trick question. They are, they're all tied at 160. So if, if you answered those correctly, um, come see me next week. I'm going to get you front row t- uh, seats and uh, get you an opportunity to meet the band. So good job on you. That, that's right. Well, I can't, I can't come up with everything, man. Um, have you ever had an IQ test? I, ha- uh, I never have, and partly because I think it'd be uh, a little intimidating, especially this morning when I went out to get in my truck and realized that I had left the driver's side window down uh, in a snowstorm. Um, it could be a little bit intimidating, but really, I don't even know uh, that, that uh, you know, there, I don't think we put a whole lot of uh, stake in, in uh, IQ uh, anymore. No, nobody really cares a whole lot about IQ. More recently, we've been talking about EQ, and that's shorthand for emotional intelligence, as opposed to IQ, which is cognitive and mental intelligence. Now, the reason a lot of people are interested in this is that studies have shown that EQ is a little bit more uh, important to the success in life than IQ is. And when I explain more about what that actually is, you'll see what I mean. So why are we doing a sermon series on this? Is this even a, a biblical concept? I mean, I've never seen the words emotional intelligence in the Bible. Well, sometimes in preaching, we start with the Bible and we move towards life, like here's what the Bible says, and and here's how that principle applies. We did that in the last series, in the Shema series that we just finished last week. And if you missed that series, it's easy to uh, go back and find it on Pursue God. It was a really great series, so I'd recommend that. but sometimes in preaching, we start with life and move towards the Bible. Like here is a, a, a real life issue, something that, that people recognize as, as important or something that ordinary people deal with on a, on a regular basis. And then we ask what the Bible has to say about that. And that's the, approaching we're, that's the approach we're taking in this series. So clearly, as we saw in the Shema series that we've just finished, the Bible talks a lot about our emotional life. And we saw how we're called to love God and to do so with all of our heart and all of our soul. There we go. And God has spoken about these things in his word. Our emotional life and relational life matter to him. Every part of who you are matters to God. In fact, God wants all of you. Now, some people have the mistaken idea that God only cares about spiritual things. Are you going to church? Are you involved in a, a small group or a Bible study? Are you reading your Bible? Are you saying prayers? You're saying grace before dinner. They think that God only cares about things specifically related to church. But God cares about your whole life, every aspect of you. The truth is God wants all of you, including your emotions and your relationships. God has a plan for how we understand and relate to our emotions. And 
how we understand and relate to the emotions of others. That, in a nutshell, is, is exactly how EQ is defined. One simple definition is it's the ability to love yourself and others. So somebody a few years ago coined this, this term, emotional intelligence. And many people have you know, written books about it or articles about it or whatever, but God actually invented this because God created us as emotional and relational beings. He's communicated in his word how these basic aspects of our lives are, are meant to work. See, we become emotionally healthy or emotionally intelligent, if you will, when we hear what God is saying about our emotions and our relationships and we put his truth into practice in our lives. So in this series, we're exploring what God says in the Bible about emotions and relationships. That's the, uh, that's the road we're going to go down today. The idea of, of EQ sits at the intersection between emotional health and relational health. Like I said just a second ago, one definition is it's the ability to love yourself and others. So let me expand on that a little bit. It means that you are aware of your own emotions and, and you know uh, how to respond to them appropriately. And it also means that you're aware of the emotions of others and you're aware of how to uh, respond to them the right way as well. So in that vein, a lot of these writers talk about two, two different sides of this, EQ self and EQ others. I know that seems a little bit confusing, but let me just kind of tear into it. The first part of EQ has to do with you. How well do you know yourself? How aware are you of your own emotions? What's going on inside? Why, why you responded as you did to what someone said? Where did that emotion come from? Was it? Was it connected to something deeper in your soul? Are you aware of your own inner thoughts and your own inner dialogue? Do you understand how your emotional life has been shaped by your family and your friends, shaped by events in your life, both, both good and bad? For me, I had a period of my life where anger dominated my heart and heavily influenced other areas of my, of my life, but I lacked the emotional intelligence to see it. And then... How do you respond to those feelings? Do we sweep them under the rug? Do we let them just vent? Do we talk about them, act them out, and so forth? My younger self, I hadn't even recognized how angry I was, let alone figured out how to, to talk about my feelings. But the Bible talks about being aware of our emotions and our, and our inner life. In Psalm 139.1, it says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. And in, in verse 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Is that a, uh, is that a scary thought to you? God knows your emotions. He knows your, your insecurities. He knows your, about your anxiety. He knows about your screw-ups and, and, and the things that you think are secret. Well, guess what? He still loves you unconditionally in Christ. So we can go to God willing to be laid bare before him. I want you to ask God to give you a, a greater self-awareness. Because getting real about emotions is part of our growth experience in Christ. But here's the thing. We can't grow and we can't change until we own 
our brokenness. God can see what we, we can't see about ourselves, so let God reveal it to you. The second part of, of EQ has to do with others. How aware am I of the emotions of others? Do I understand what's going on in, in someone else? Maybe your wife, your kids, your coworkers, someone in your church family? How aware are, uh, are, are you aware of how they feel? And what might have led them to feel that way? How do my actions affect them? If I say that certain thing, how, how are they likely to react? And then, how do I respond to the emotions of others? Am I able to empathize and understand what others are feeling? In Proverbs 2, 3, it says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. In fact, the, the whole book of Proverbs is, is all about seeking understanding in life, learning to develop insight and, and discernment from God. And if you read Proverbs, the insight and the understanding that he's talking about includes people and their emotions and their relationships to them. In this series, we hope that you're going to be willing to say, I want insight. I want to understand my emotional side. I want to get my relationships right. A lot of Christians really want more insight and understanding about theology, but they have a hard time being authentic about themselves. They aren't willing to get insight about their own hearts and lives. See, the thing is, at the end of the day, guys, we're all broken. And we can only be restored and healed by God. So let's not be afraid. Let's not keep sweeping stuff under the rug because we refuse to let God have all of us. We can learn a lot about human nature by observing human beings. And what we see when we study humanity is, is these two things. God created us as emotional, relational, and spiritual beings. And by nature, these components are broken in all of us. Let me kind of go into that first. We see that there are certain components that are part of being a human. One, we have an emotional element. Every human being is capable of feeling. And, and two, we have a relational element. We're wired for interaction with others. And we have a spiritual element as well. Human beings always worship something, and we, we long for transcendence. When God made us th this way, he put his stamp, on, stamp of, a, of approval on what he saw. In fact, in Genesis 1.31, it says, Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. In other words, it's very good that you and I are emotional creatures because God made us that way. And I know it doesn't always seem like that's a good thing. We'll get into it. We'll talk about that here in, in a minute. But the fact is our emotions are a blessing. Sometimes anger is what it takes to drive us to do the right thing, uh, to, to fight injustice, to have courage. Fear can keep us out of trouble. Joy and wonder add spice to life. They actually help us worship our creator. So we don't need to run away from our emotions. And it's also very good that you and I are relational creatures. We were created by God with a capacity to know and love others, to connect and to share our life. So we don't need to be afraid of relationships. And, you know, maybe you're an introvert um, and you can be comfortable all by yourself. But hopefully you acknowledge that you need relationships 
and, and I hope that you desire relationships. And we also see that it's very good that you and I have a spiritual element. This is how we relate to the God who created us. And the second thing we notice when we study human nature is something went really wrong. Even though it was all very good initially, something went awry. Genesis 3 says that sin entered the world when the first humans chose to go their own way and put their own opinions and desires ahead of God instead of listening um, to, to and following what God said. So just like a, a toxic waste that's been dumped into the headwaters of a river, sin has affected every one of us who are downstream um, and it taints everything that we do. Now, I know that some of you look at your lives and you see stuff that you don't like and maybe you think that it's just you. Everyone else here has it, has it together except you, right? The truth is, every single one of us has baggage. All of us come with brokenness that affects our entire being. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So here's the consequences of this. The spiritual part of us is separated from God, at least until you come to the place of entrusting your life and eternity to Jesus. Our relationships are dominated by self-centeredness. We weren't created that way, but that's the way it is now, constantly breaking relationship with others. And our emotions, guys, they are fickle, they're often destructive, and they're often out of control. What, good, what God designed for good can still be good, but it can also be detrimental. Anger leads us to hurt others. Fear can be crippling instead of healthy. Emotions can be extremely deceitful, even wicked. Think about a time when somebody said something hurtful about you. How you fed on it, how you dwelt on it, how you, you, you started to stew on it, and you had thoughts of payback or retaliation. See, in our emotion, it's easy to convince ourselves that we're justified in sinful responses. The simple fact is this, though. It is deceitful if it leads us to actions contrary to what God said. And this is the essence of the human dilemma. In Genesis 1, God made us very good. Yet, we are sullied by sin, we see in Genesis 3. Those two factors have been at war in every one of us since then. Sometimes it seems like we can be addicted to relationships and simultaneously allergic to relationships. We get hurt and push people away, but then we crave connection with people again. And that sums up the human condition. Relationships are important because that's how God made us, and relationships are hard because of our sin. And because of these two factors, it's really important to be aware of what's going on in our emotions and in the emotions of people around us that we have relationships with. That's emotional intelligence. But this also suggests something else really important. The, the journey to emotional and relational health has to start with the spiritual side. It starts when you come to God in your need. You cry out for him for what only he can do. When you put faith in Jesus, God begins a work in you. You become a new creation, 
and God gives us a new responsive heart. But to be honest, tough issues in life will still come up. It's a lifelong journey submitting all that emotional and relational stuff to God and seeing his transforming work in us. But it starts with the spiritual dimension and goes outward from there. And that leads us to our final point here. Let me go back. A relationship with God makes you a healthy and whole person. God changes you from the inside out, impacting the spiritual, emotional, and relational. It is tough talking about emotional and relational uh, relationship problems. It's hard taking a good, honest look at the inside. But it's worth it because of what God has in mind for you. Um, you know, imagine a time when you've gone on a, on, a, on a hike, a difficult hike. In the particularly steep parts, maybe you've complained or considered turning around, but when you reach the top, you don't want to leave, and the struggle seems so worth it and practically forgotten. And that's what this journey of transformation is about with God. The freedom and growth you experience when you surrender all of you to God it will pay dividends in the end. For the hard work, the scary parts, and the humility that it takes, you can have more peace in your life and be in healthy relationships with people. And how much more enjoyable life is like that. And here's the good news. God wants all of you. Not just the Sunday stuff, not just the religious stuff, not just your theological thoughts. God has a good plan for every part of your life. Matthew 22, 37. This is, you know, we talked about this passage in the last series, um, in the Shema series, and it was, it, it's so profound, I think, you know, it's appropriate to talk about it again. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. See here, Jesus is answering a religious person who asked, what's the most important thing to God? And Jesus answers, love God with all your heart. That's our inner person, with all your soul and all your mind. And also, love your neighbor as, your, as yourself. This whole concept is demonstrated in his answer. Here we see a spiritual component, love God, right, your relationship with God. We see the relational component, love your neighbor, and the implication is that you should love yourself. That's the emotional side. Now, maybe you've had a lot of hurts in your life. People have crushed you. They've betrayed you. But God loves you. You're a precious child of his. He created you with special care. This is the basis of a biblical godly self-love. On our own, we're broken sinners. But because of God's love, we are worthwhile and valued. And I'm not talking just about a, a selfish kind of, of self-love where you justify doing whatever you want. I'm talking about recognizing how God sees you and accepting the value that God places on you. And that's why you're worth the, the work that has to go into getting healthy. You don't have to be paralyzed by the things that are broken or the things that people have done or said that make you feel worthless. You can move forward on this journey of understanding yourself, growing into the completeness that God created you for and becoming healthy in the relationships you have. 
In 1 John 1, 7, it says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This shows how the spiritual, emotional, and relational elements all connect. As God renews our spiritual life, we're living in God's light. We're being cleansed from all sin. God begins to transform our relationships. Remember, being right with God doesn't just mean we have fellowship with God. It means we have fellowship with each other as well. And the more spiritual you are, the better you should be at relationships, but sadly, in many churches, it's just the opposite. The more religious some people are, the worse they are at relationships. John 10.10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life, a life where your spiritual life is healthy. It's a growing relationship with Jesus, and your relationships are healthy at work, at home, at school, with your church family, with your neighbors, and your emotional life is good. You understand yourself. You're dealing with your insecurity, anxiety, anger, sadness, fear, but in a healthy way. All of this belongs to God. All of this is important to God. But guys, I want you to recognize the goal of the enemy here. Satan wants to steal your joy and rob you of the life God has for you. He wants you angry about elections. He wants you mad about a Facebook post. He he wants you to feel betrayed by your family and your friends. But we don't have to let the the enemy steal our emotional health. As we humble ourselves before God, we can live in authentic emotional health. We can be in meaningful relationships with people, and that will give us a more joyful, contented life. Guys, I want you to use these these resources on PursueGod.org to talk about this with family, with small groups, with mentors. Please don't just listen to this and, and, and go away. God gave his only son to die and forgive you of your sins so that we can live in eternity with him because God wants all of you. And that's what EQ is all about. You guys pray with me. God, I just, I ask you to, to uh, come into my own life but for everybody else here, and, and I, wanna, I just want to lay bare those things in my, in my heart that, I, that I, I, my fears, my anxiety, those things that, that maybe I think I, I'm even hiding from you. God, I want, I want you to, to, uh, to see those. I know you see them, but I, I, I want to accept that you see them, and I want, I want to give them to you. And I ask, Lord, that, that you... You help me and you help everybody here to, um, to be able to have healthy emotional relationships that we, give, uh, that we give you the importance. We make you the center of those relationships that, that um, we can recognize other people's emotions and, and know how to deal with them, know how to be compassionate with them. Um, and 
and just make those those meaningful relationships with people uh, continue to grow, Lord, so that you're glorified in that. Because we want to we want those relationships to be uh, the way that you designed us, the way that we want to have relationship with you, Lord. We love you so much, and we say this all in the name of your 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 Son's powerful name, Amen.